Today, I welcome Bex Tier, Headmistress at Badminton School in Bristol, UK. In this episode, I discuss entrepreneurship, skills-based learning, preparing a COVID-safe school, and the importance of community engagement. Welcome, Bex. Thank you. It's really nice to chat. How are yeah. you today? Well, do you know what? I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Obviously, since we had virtual learning for so long, how has it been going back to a school and how normal have you made it? Such a good question. It can be answered on a million different levels. I think it's been great to be back. I think it's been a challenge, I think, for all of us to think of how to make our schools as COVID safe as possible. So, you know, we're not used to these one-way systems and putting our masks on at all of the sort of communal points, hand sanitizers by every door, and um, you name it, it's changed. It doesn't, it doesn't feel quite the same. And of course, lots of activities have had to change because we had many cross year group activities being quite a small school and that's had to be refined into more year group based activities to keep those sort of bubbles or whatever we're calling them separate. Um, so yeah, it's been different, but I think everybody has just embraced that challenge and rolled with it. And I think the benefit of um, being together is, is huge. But there is so much from like the whole body language that you miss. That there's definitely something about being present together in one space that really adds to the learning. Um, and you can, it's, it's easier to have different forms of learning going on when when you've got to provide it all virtually it's got to be in certain formats of course you can have breakout rooms you can have things that they download but there are there are even more options when we're all in one space together so i think people have valued that and it's been great for the kids well-being as well to get back together yeah so, a challenge but so worth the effort so yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's all worked out. So everything that you've, you know, you've had to do a huge amount of planning. Schools have had to completely flip everything upside down. Yes, the learning provision and, you know, many schools are well prepared already with, with kind of the online learning provision, but suddenly then changing an operational, physical kind of schooling education was a real kind of challenge. But, you know, as you say, you, you've had to dig deep and all your staff have stepped up and had to put in place what you needed to do to ensure a, a great education for, for your girls. Um, and, how, and how have your parents been with all of this? I mean, we are lucky. We're, a, as I said, we're a small community. We're a really supportive community. They've been amazing. Parents in the UK, our overseas parents, all of them have been totally on board. Um, they've jumped on sort of um, Zoom calls, team calls, kept in touch with us, been really positive and proactive, supportive. And, and I think, um, and I think, you know, I'd say that about the whole community, staff, girls, parents, the wider community, they've really pulled together to make it work. And um, of course, there are moments, I think, for all of us on this journey where we have nervousness or uncertainty, but together, the team has pulled it through. And the way that everybody's taking responsibility for this, you know, parents have ideas about how we could improve. You know, I was at drop off this morning. I saw this, I thought about that. You know, they're giving really sincere feedback staff are saying oh i've had an idea we could we could still make this event happen but in this way you know they're trying to make the the magic the happiness happen that to counterbalance all the work and just the fact that everybody is stepping forward and giving those ideas into the melting point it's those marginal gains that really pushes the organization forward and that that to me is so inspiring and energizing really yeah, I agree. Uh, marginal gains is a, is a big thing for me as well. I love, uh, marginal gains make a massive difference. Uh, I think everyone looks at a big picture all the time and forgets to wind it down to the smallest things that can make the biggest difference. So it's great to hear that you're always looking at marginal gains, even within an education environment, to make sure the experience that the teachers, the kids, the parents 
and and, and you have are uh, are still kind of uh, winning through. And you're obviously a great voice on Twitter. Um, how important is it that a head is active on social media? For me, um, I must admit, sometimes I feel, oh goodness, I've lapsed and I have that guilt and I get back on again. I think what's really important is um, interacting with those who are representing your school and organisation and supporting them in what they're doing on Twitter. So, um, you know, I can't get into the, the junior school every other minute, especially at the moment as we're keeping sort of safe distancing. So, you know, if I can see what they've cooked, what they've painted and liking that, um, it means that they know I'm acknowledging it. So it's another form of, of me endorsing them and thanking them. I think that's really important. I think also when there are big issues going on, you know, um, there was the unlocking education debate that um, 7 billion ideas hosted and just hearing what people are saying on that and about the importance of skills. I was thinking, yeah, that's right. That's so what I'm thinking about education and just having that chance to endorse what people are saying about education and bringing, you know, live issues to the fore. I think that's important too. Um, I think it is a good way of, of finding shared understanding on things and of just having your awareness peaked as well. I think there is so much information in the world now. We'd all love to be able to sit down and read it all in the book. I love a book. The moment I'm reading an amazing one about listening. Don't ask me who wrote it. It's by some, I think, um, New York journalist. But it's really making me think. I mean, one of the things I love the most about what it says is, listen, we all hear things differently, which we all say, oh, yeah, yeah, we hear it differently. But they described it in speaking as, and throwing out lots of soft balls of clay to the different listeners and every listener catches it in their hand and because it's set a soft clay it takes the imprint of their own hand and that's the way our ears you know hear and we imprint our own understanding on what we've heard and so yeah I would love to have time to read all I want to read but just those sound bites through social media actually top me up and inspire my next direction so I think it I think it is huge important we're not all comfortable doing it I know when marketing first told me I had to have a Twitter account I was like oh not sure about that I feel a bit uncomfortable but but it's it's a really good way to stay connected and get a yeah get a window on the world yeah. it's about having a current skill and you know it kind, of, it kind of leads me into a few more questions I had I mean you answered one already um, uh, around wh where do you get your news? You know, is it traditional media or is it, do, do you get sound bites and bits that are going on online on and with social? Um, and it's great that you did, I saw that you with uh, my, my good friend David Harkin at 7 Billion Ideas um, with your home hack coming up and everything else. They're, they're brilliant things. And that, that obviously ties into your, your kind of entrepreneur, your inner entrepreneur and the fact that you've done entrepreneurship, which is brilliant. Um, what future skills do you believe that students should have when leaving badminton i think i think this is the time for skills it's never been more about skills we all know we've got to get them over the line to get them into the next institution they've got to get those grades but skills in this uncertain very fast pace of change living is so vital and i think one of the things when i was studying entrepreneurship recently as i looked at the skills of the entrepreneurial mindset and there are so many of those which are really deeply valuable for so many areas of life i mean communication is absolutely key as an entrepreneur you can have the most amazing idea but if you can't tell that story if you can't sell it to the to the right audience at the right time it's not going to get any traction you're not going to get the funding you're not going to get the team together to help you build it you're not going to get the sales and that brings me on to teamwork there's so few things in life that you succeed as an individual there really are i mean here at badminton i you know live and die on my team my team are amazing and you know we we naturally have different skills and by having a team you bring together a complement of skills and also you have um people to sense check you you know and to, to push against your ideas and bring you back around you in reality so teamwork i think is just invaluable 
one of the skills that I that I really looked at a lot on my entrepreneurship course and which I'm quite a passionate advocate for is just that willingness to iterate um, I think what's really interesting about successful entrepreneurs is they don't sort of um, stumble at the first hurdle and say oh that didn't work you know fail give up they say okay well what went well what can I take forward and what did I need to improve give me the honest feedback give me the honest feedback and I think if we can take that um, willingness to absorb feedback into the education system and turn away from oh I got a B I got a C I got 70% I've got so much wrong into okay you've got 70% that's nailed what do I need to do to get the 30% over the line we can take that mindset and instill it in the really young and like build it up through our schools that type of um, willingness to develop and constantly learn I think is, is what we all need in our life I love it. I, th I think iterative skills. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with my, with my four kids, you know, my wife and I've always agreed when we, when we started having children that we just want them to be happy and confident. Um, it is, and it's, it doesn't matter. And it's why they're at four different schools because we've had to choose the right school for the right child. And actually we're, we're not a great believer of the academic endpoint because actually it's just a conveyor belt that you have to be on because you have no other constructs to work within to then go on to higher education. Then higher education in itself is being pulled apart because corporations and, and employers are going, look, actually we just don't need it. I care about you. Give, show me what you can do. I don't care about your, your three A's or your three A stars. Show me about you. Critical thinking, creativity, problem solving. You talked about teamwork, culture. And it sounds like at badminton, you've created a really great environment and a culture for, for, for being an entrepreneur and trying these new things. Um, how's that gone down? I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I ran an entrepreneurial mindset skill class for year six last year, and they loved it. And year seven, I'm absolutely biting my hand off. We've got several of them that have applied to our student initiative fund for startup funding for their businesses and they're in year seven eight and nine at the moment i mean at the end of last year absolutely delighted to hear that um two of our teams placed in the peter james tycoon competition and one of them came first for the whole country and it was like way wow it's just that amazing spirit and in fact they're taking their company on um, they were in year 11 last year and they're they're still building and growing that company having won that i'm so proud of them i mean to, to have done that before you leave school it just blows my mind that they're so able and willing and open and and they get it and um, I think it's really inspiring for the other children in the school to see and I think it's changing the dynamic of the school definitely towards um, I mean we've always been a very hands-on school there's more than just the grades we're not sort of trophy gatherers it's about doing and I think we see that in our science outreach where you know we're working with the Institute of Physics we're working with CERN going to festivals well not this year but in previous years we've been um, to Czechoslovakia all across England you know in sort of crazy summer music festivals and things demonstrating um, cold physics and things and I think the girls here really believe in doing and I think the more we can get them doing the more they have something really useful to take out into the world and, and a real perspective on what it's like to deliver something um, not just to deliver a piece of work to a deadline, but to work as a team, to meet an objective, to um, take it to market effectively or take it to an audience and, um, and be proud of it and, and stand by it. I think that's just such a great uh, base to go into the world with, knowing, knowing how to do that. Yeah, completely. Um, and, you know, the, the destination is always, is sometimes the problem because people are focused on an end point and forget to enjoy the dance. 
you know, and part of life is you've got to enjoy the dance, you've got to listen to the music and enjoy the music and hope it never ends. And actually the destination is just, you know, you hope it actually you never get there because you're part of this, this exciting journey, but it's very difficult to, 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 to instill that in, in an education where they are still looking for a destination. And I know that I've got my daughter, my eldest is in year 13. So, you know, I'm literally this morning have been going through her final bits of her personal statement. And obviously any of my amends are just not appropriate. Um, you know, I've left it too late. I'm, I'm in a rush. Sorry, you know, but um, they, but it's, it's geared towards five, eight, five university choices on a form, on a destination next summer exams. And I just sometimes feel that I just wish she would have more time and fun to enjoy this journey rather than be caught up in this process. But maybe with, with heads like you and the other heads I'm going to be speaking to during the series, um, we, we can make that change because I'm a, I'm a passionate um, advocate and, and driver of the future school thinking, trying to do things differently to empower skills, to empower the individual as well. So we'll see how that goes. And, and I would say as well on that, that, you know, with the degree apprenticeships and the sort of alternative pathways, I mean, look what Google are doing with their qualifications. It's exciting times. It's all to play for. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. So your big first, a big focus for you is continued, obviously, professional development for your staff. When hiring school staff, what kind of millennial future skills do you believe they need today? Wow. Um, I think to some degree, there are some jobs in a school where you, you need certain really really technical competencies for because of course school's not just about teaching you know you've got the HR department the accounts department you name it you know your chefs everybody so I think there are some some skills where that you just absolutely have to have them for the job in others it's a bit more of a broad spectrum and you can adapt and learn on the job um, and I think you need to know what you require of that job I think you need to go into your recruitment knowing these are essential and these are desirable and be really really evaluative in that spec take the time in planning it not just like roll out an ad and worry about it later i think you, the, the team that's working with that person really needs to spend the time to evaluate the role and say do we still need this role in the school okay the person's just moving on to somewhere else but actually has the has the landscape changed is this job still the job that the school needs so evaluate the role and then really spec out that role as to what you need from it so that when you're asking questions of your interviewee you, you're really thinking can they do that thing that I need or have they got the skills to develop that I need? Yeah. Um, so I think it does come down on quite an individual basis, but it comes down into front loading and putting that time in the planning. And then so much of it is about person fit though. I think, you know, quite often in a job description, we spend a lot of time on the technicalities of the job. Yep. The person specification is just as important. And, um, making sure that no particular team gets skewed with one particular skill set in an imbalanced way, because we all need these different skills um, and we all need the balance in our teams of, you know, the, the different qualities, you know, the, the director, the listener, the, you know, the scientists, the creative. So I think, I think that's important as well then to step back and look at the context of who they're working with and how that's going to work. 
Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, what, what I was also getting at was that you know, they are the ones who are going to be stewarding these young ladies to go out and become these incredible leaders or team players and shape the world that actually they are inheriting. It's their world. Um, you know, what, what mess we leave behind, um, only time will tell. But surely nowadays, you know, teachers need to have more millennial skills to be able to steward and understand um, and educate these young men and women to be able to go out and make this change and stand on their own two feet and make a difference. Um, are, you, are you looking at that way too? Definitely. I think the, the absolute heart of that has got to be this willingness to be a lifelong learner. I mean, that's the future that we're sending these young people out into. Um, I mean, if, if, if I look back at how teaching's changed in my career, it's sort of changed exponentially and particularly management in a school compared to, I think, the decades that went before that. And I think if we can model ourselves as, as learners, as, you know, humble to new ideas, as open, as curious individuals, I think that is great role modeling because these young people are going to have to go on being curious for a long part of their life in order to continue to thrive in the workplace environment. Uh, agree. Curiosity, because it's changing so fast. Every day, new things come, new channels, behavioural shifts. Um, th there's so much and you have to be agile, I think, and be adaptive to things that are going on. And, and the other thing about that agility, in order to do it, you need someone who can almost have, you know how you look through those um, lenses you get for children as toys and they've got those sort of multi-facets and so you see in all directions, like a, an insect eye. I think sometimes people have to develop that quality because you can't adapt until you know what the different world views are. And so I think having that almost like insect eye view, the multifaceted view of every situation, because there is always a different view. There's always a different solution. There's always a different pathway. And so I think you need both the adaptability and the willingness to see it. Great. Yeah. The, the kaleidoscope lens, you know, because the world was never meant to be seen in black and white. Definitely not. Um, I'm going to ask you, obviously, by opening yourself up online, like you know, most adults do, and certainly every single child does. Um, there's always a risk, and there's, there's a risk of being of facing abuse or being trolled. Have you ever experienced this yourself, or with people close to you, or within the school? Um, and if so, how did you how did you manage it? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think as soon as we um, put our opinion to the world, we have to expect people to interact with it. And so I think we have to be really judicious of what we put out there. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes uh, we can always get a bit immobilized. We're thinking, is that okay? You know, should I say that? So it's that balance between making sure your voice is heard and taking due time to consider things. And I think that's, that's hard on us who aren't digital natives, who've had to like learn this in our adulthood. I think sometimes um, we've all probably experienced at the other end of the scale, the young, you know, um, do have very strong opinions often because they've gone through fewer life experiences that have shown them the different lenses to look through that that, that uh, particular world situation might um, impinge on others and that what sensitivities it might cause. And of course, it's right to have an opinion, but it's not right to, to do so to the detriment of others or their, their views. So it's really hard. I think one of the hardest jobs for teachers and for head teachers and people working in education is stewarding young people through this and giving them the skills to navigate it. It's, it's really hard because sometimes it's hard for us to articulate. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to um, say, you know, that's definitively right or wrong. It's, it's a big gray area. And um, so 
we do spend a lot of our time in schools talking about you know what's right to put to put online you know, do would you want that put online would you be happy if this person saw it that person saw it you know if you make that statement who who might feel upset by that how could it impact them do you want that to happen and the world online is happening so fast and and people don't want to miss out on it have they got time for all these reflective conversations that we need to have to help them get it right so it's a real dynamic tension this situation and i think it's one of the most important things that we try and do as a school is to teach young people how to be safe. And I think, you know, it's often tempting, you know, and I've been a parent to, to two children as well who are now um, coming out the other end of their teenage years, but, you know, they, they want to engage and you want them to engage, you don't want them to miss out, but getting the balance right of letting them have a go and uh, also teaching them to, to keep things in reserve. It's, it's a really big challenge for parents, for teachers, and I think it's one of the most important, as I said, most important things that we do in schools today. And we'll keep doing it, keep educating, not just stopping. It's no good saying you can't do this. It's about the explanation, the why, the giving them the tools to make those judgments themselves, to, to interrogate things and question whether that's a concept or whether it's a piece of software and how it's using their data. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, mean, it's, I mean, to me, I, I, I could spend hours and hours talking about, about all the kind of the nuances, the fake news, the, you know, it, it being 24-7, the, the hit of dopamine that, that we all suffer from and this disruptive nature that's 24-7 on. You know, we feel we can never have a break, you know, and we do need to have some digital detox and un unplug to reconnect at later date, re-energized, but we can't ignore it. And that's a, it's such a massive part of of our lives, but our kids' lives, they know no difference. You know, they were all born with an iPad in their hands. So, you know, we just need to make sure that we, we don't bury our heads as, as educators, as leaders, as parents, and as teachers to ensure that the young men and women that we are stewarding through education are really equipped to be resilient, you know, because there's so much stuff that they don't, that they see online that maybe they feel under threat and they're not given the ability to make, as you said, to make the judgment themselves because they will make mistakes and we need to let them make mistakes. But mm -hmm. then it's, it's having a, a, a community around you to be able to guide you back and go, well, actually, would you have done anything differently? And it's amazing when you ask that question to year 12 or year 13 students about, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? We do it when we go into schools and it's, it's one of the best questions I ever asked. And they all kind of look back at their early Facebook profiles and their Instagram and their Snapchat and they go, oh my God, I was so embarrassing. Why did I post that? But they know no difference. And I think parents as well haven't really got a clue because we're caught in the, the midst of our own 24-7 lives and you, we kind of react based on problems, not on maybe getting involved because the kid puts up a barrier. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, I, I, we can have another series all about, about the online stuff because like, I love that stuff like you. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with just um, a, a couple of questions. Uh, the, the penultimate one is we are compiling a head's guide to Martin Communications because we just feel it's a really important area as to what kind of skills and, uh, and techniques and things you should have in place at a school. So if you could give one crucial piece of advice to heads about marketing a school, what would it be? I would say it's kind of one piece, but it's slightly messy if you go with it. It's know your brand mantra, that three to five words that sums up your school. And every time someone puts a bit of marketing in front of you, say, does, does that 
meet that mantra. And I think it's so, because the reason I say it's because it's so tempting. If you get someone that's lovely colors, it's got someone doing something engaging and you, you know little Flossie and little Josephine and they look so happy in that photo. But is it speaking to your brand? Because this thing that's going out called marketing is going to start forming people's opinion of your company, your organization, your school. It's going to start in terms of your prospective parents, your prospective pupils. It's the journey. It's the beginning of their journey, their relationship with you. And it's where you begin to manage their expectation. It's what you say you do. And so that picture really must, those words really must evoke what is core to you. Because you've only probably got one picture, one strap line, something that you're putting out there. It's small, it's short. You've really got to check that it's not just beautiful and really well executed, but it just nails what you are. Yeah, it's, it, it, that, that sounds like a, a, an experience, a creative experience. It has to be immersive. Yeah. It has to be driven by the heart and never the head. Um, yeah. so, what, so what is badminton brand mantra? Uh, well, I guess it's all around um, the things that are dear to us, uh, being authentic, being innovative, and just being a really strong community. So that's as far as I'll get, it's around those three things. That's awesome. Thank you ever so much, Bex, for, for taking the time. Um, I have a question. When are we going to come down and visit you? Yeah, really good point. I think probably sometime soon. Um, it'd be exciting. Um, I'd love to be involved and talk about a, a new angle. Uh, yeah. yeah. To look through the badminton world. That, so that would be fun. But this has been a great conversation and I'd love to have a longer one. So let's find a way we can do that. Fingers crossed. Thanks ever so much, Bex. Take care. Take bye. it easy. Thanks. Bye-bye. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.